0: Hi, and welcome to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, the pastor of West Bradenton Baptist Church in Bradenton, Florida, Josh King, the pastor of Saxey's Church in Saxey, Texas, and me, Micah Fries, the pastor of Brainerd Baptist Church in Chattanooga, Tennessee. We're glad you're here. Hi, and welcome to this week's edition of EST, where we like to hang out each week and talk about all things local church. We love to talk about the established church and how to pastor and lead her well. Uh, my name is Micah Fries. I get to hang out every week with Sam Rainer and Josh King, but Josh has vacated the premises. I guess he's ticked off that I haven't been here the past
1: three or four weeks, Sam. Past three or four weeks? Has it I, it, been longer than it, that? I think it was longer, it's than, it's that, been but... longer than that. <laughs> hey, listeners, Micah is back. yeah that's he's right. back in the saddle and uh, isn't, it, isn't it glorious? Welcome home, Micah. How, how is everything? Tell us just a little bit about what you did. Just I'm sure yeah. everyone
0: wants to. So this will be a quick synopsis. We went to Africa to adopt a son. We've been in the process for almost four years. He is nine years old. His birthday is February 15th so we're recording this slightly before that and uh, so he'll be 10 years old. Um, in just a few days. And he's doing really, really well. As far as, you know, adding an almost 10 year old to your family who's lived in an orphanage all his life, it is going as well as it could possibly go. I mean, it has its bumps in the roads, but it's been really, really good. He is a really good kid. His given name is Lepitasani. And so we figured, you know, growing up in Chattanooga with that name might be a little challenging. And we asked him if he wanted an American name. And he said, yes, absolutely. So we gave him a British name. Instead, <laughs> we, named him, <laughs> we named him Haddon after Charles Haddon Spurgeon, and, um, and nice. he is really, really excited about that name. He so, loves it.
1: Okay, so um, my my grandma was Southern, and I've got a lot of Southern roots in my family. I'm not necessarily myself Southern, but um, my name is Sam. M- most listeners know that, but my grandma would add like seven syllables. Sam. Sam. <laughs> So, what, Lepitasani, is, yeah, is that, da, okay, I can only imagine how many syllables oh, that would word. be if it was said by a true southerner, it, 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 Haddon's probably a better choice.
0: So listen to this, this is my favorite little antidote from his home country, he's, he's from the country of Lesotho, if you look it up on the on the map, it looks like Lesotho, he's from the country of Lesotho, it's a tiny little landlocked country in South Africa, now this is where it gets fun. The country is Lesotho. The people are Basotho. An individual is a Masotho, and their language is Sesotho. And uh, so, yeah, learning English may be a little bit easier than what he's accustomed to. <laughs> man, you could write it. You could write a kids' book. I'm telling you, or at least a that kids' that would be song, an awesome. Man. Kids' book. <laughs> the Masotho, who's a Basotho from Lesotho, speaking Sesotho.
1: <laughs> I'm telling you, you should you should totally write that book. That would be you awesome. Should. All right, and you about... can make it about adoption. You can make it about adoption. What? Actually, that's not a bad idea, Sam. I know,
0: I know. That's actually a really good idea. We could have a fun little children's book about adoption, and we could sing a little ditty, a little song. All right, now I've got an idea. But we've got a (laughs) podcast today, and we're talking about leading the established church, and today we're talking about one of those things that almost everyone I know finds challenging, and that is hospital visitation. It's um, an important part of what we do for a host of reasons, and... um, and yet, I don't know, Sam, anybody who just, right when they walk into the position, naturally is good and knows what to do when they walk into a hospital room for the first time. For almost all of it, it's almost all of us, it's a learned,
1: uh, you know, um, skill. Would oh, yeah. you agree? I, oh, yeah. I mean, I oh, let me just just be honest, right? I, I'm As transparent as I can, I guess I hate hospital visits. I mean... <laughs> I, it, it, they, they interrupt your schedule. I'm very organized, very scheduled. Everything's on my calendar. I plan every 15 minutes of, of my day. And then someone's in the hospital, and my immediate reaction is, this is getting in the way of my task list. This is messing up my calendar. And, and that's just real. I mean, I'm just yep. going to be real with you guys. Um, and I'm sure there are listeners out there that that's the case. Rare is, is Rare is the pastor that thrives on... Hospital visits and that's loves right. it and is, is spiritually gifted in that area. But here's the thing: I don't know where I've I've actually been able to do. Like sometimes you go to the hospital and you're at the wrong hospital, but that's a whole other story. We'll talk about that. Um, <laughs> but I don't know of a hospital visit where I've been able to do ministry where I've regretted it. Yeah. So while I hate yeah. it, at the same time, I've never come back from the hospital and said, oh, "I shouldn't have done that." I mean, it, it's always something where I think. You know, there was, there was good gospel fruit there. In fact, some of the, my most fruitful ministry has been in hospital rooms. So, while it's tough, it's also quite fruitful. So, I think it's worthy of a discussion. What do you say?
0: Yeah, no, I think you're exactly right. I think there are a number of those things that are disruptive and challenging to our schedule, but may actually lend itself to... Um, You know, to be able to minister and build relationships with people, funerals come to mind along those lines. Weddings to me are always challenging. They're generally disruptive and I'm not so sure uh, they're always the most fruitful. Uh, Generally, I like to tell people that when I do a wedding, if I'm successful at a wedding, nobody remembers I was there. Um, The only time people remember (laughs) I was there is if I made a mistake. Uh, Funerals can be a different sort of ball game and we can talk about them more later, but hospital visits along the same way. People are vulnerable, they're hurting, they're, they're concerned. A lot of barriers are stripped away. And when you come in that moment and you care for them, uh, most of the time, I think there's a a genuine sense of affection, gratefulness, and more than anything, um, you know, you're able to be used as a servant of the Lord to to really bring encouragement and hope to someone's heart and uh, remind them again that their hope is in the Lord. And, uh, you know, it's just an opportunity to really meet people where they're hurting. But you clearly have had some mistakes at the hospital, like... Did you say go into the wrong hospital? I want to hear oh, I yeah. want to hear this.
1: Oh yeah, I I've, I've well, the first thing that you need to do before you go to the hospital is to confirm the hospital and the room number, right? I mean, I've driven across town, gone to the hospital, walked in a room, realized it's not a church member. <laughs> Probably sometimes
0: pray for him anyway and walk out.
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 Actually, you know what's um,
0: funny? I I not funny necessarily. When I would go to the hospital and and all cards on the table. I don't do as much hospital visitation right now as I have in the past. We've we've got a number of staff members who do do a lot more of that, and so it is what it is. Um, But when I go to the hospital, I confirm the hospital room ahead of time before I leave, and then I confirm it again when I get there. Because I've had times, the last church I pastored, we were literally across the street from the hospital. I could see the hospital from the church and I would, there would be times when I would leave the church knowing the room number, and I would get to the hospital, and they'd already moved him into a new room, and I would walk in on somebody, you know, unannounced who had no idea who I was, so I always confirm it again when I get to the hospital.
1: Yeah, um, so and the other thing that you need to, to note is, like, what's the patient's condition, you know, like, what's going on there, who is going to be there, so, you know, I, my team does help me with that. Um, I have an assistant who kind of, you know we we put it together in a report, and you have a spreadsheet everything's a spreadsheet with me right but um but we do have a way we do have a way of determining like who's there who's been visited and by the way, I would encourage you whatever whatever you have in your church, whether you're you know a sole pastor um and you you have deacons who are helping you or whether you do have a team, create a system, create some sort of system, so we have days you know where we're not so large as a church to where um you know, we have a dedicated staff person, but we do have assigned days, and so you know. And then we have reports that we fill out so that people know what's happened, um, and and that way, the main thing with with the hospital visits is you want to make sure that people are cared for. And some church members, it's like, I don't, I don't want anybody there. So you give them a call, mm-hmm. you make sure the family's all right. right. Maybe you do a meal plan or something, but you know, they're like, don't you dare. Come see me in the hospital. You know, I, I mean, I, there are some like that, and there are some that literally want two people a day to come visit them. And so, um, we we try to be as accommodating as we can, minister to people, care for them as best we can. Um, we don't want anyone slipping through the cracks. So Whatever you do, just have a system in place to where um, you have a way of, of doing this. Understand emergencies come up, and you know the emergencies are the emergencies. That, that that's the case in ministry, but. Sure generally speaking surgeries are scheduled yeah, right I right. mean right. so you can create a system around this whatever system you have that that would be an, an, another thing that I would say whether it's assigned days or a dedicated staff person or deacons or however you do it um, I don't so, know what about you yeah
0: there's so many variables in this and you know the last church I served as pastor it was a town of 75,000 the metro was 110,000 115,000 we had one hospital Everybody in the church, when they went to the hospital, it was there was one hospital that they went to and it was across the street from our church. And it made this a really simple process. Our staff, we did the same thing you guys did. We had a different day for each, each uh, different staff member, different pastor for each day of the week. You know, you just run across the street, you could spend you know a short amount of time and be back at the office. Well here, I'm in Chattanooga now. In Chattanooga, we have a variety of different hospitals that they could possibly be in. We do the same thing here. We have different days for different staff members. But the same scenario sort of pops up, and uh, you just have to be very clear. You know, you said a minute ago, clarify the condition, what's going on. I think I would agree with that in a general sense. I'll I'll tell you, one of the lessons I learned a long time ago is never ask about, when you walk into a hospital room, never ask something along the lines, what's going on with you? I just, uh, oftentimes, when I would walk in and do that, um, it would get very graphic and very detailed, (laughs) <laughs> even to the even to the extent where I've had people throw the covers back and want to show me what's going on.
1: <laughs> and, uh, uh, let me tell you, just if you're if you're thinking about ministry, uh, sorry to interrupt, Micah. No, you're good. If you're, if you're thinking about ministry, you're going to do hospital visits, whatever position in the church you are, and you will see church members naked. That's um, exactly just, right. Let, let me just get that out there. You're gonna see church members naked. I, I I wish that it wasn't true, but that's true, um, and, and it, it is it has scarred me to to some degree. But yes, they yes. will throw back the covers. They, they will, throw will back show the you
0: covers and show you, or they'll tell you in graphic detail what is going on. <laughs> or uh, sometimes they'll be embarrassed about it. Sometimes they will be unashamed, and it won't matter. But um, you know, so I, I try and be very general when I walk into the room. How you feeling? Is there anything, any specific way I can pray for you? Let's pray together. And, um, you know, try and spend a little bit of time. This is one of those areas where you've got to show some sensitivity and discernment. Some folks, you walk in the room, you may be the only visitor they have during their one-week stay in the hospital, and they want to spend an hour talking to you. And uh, if at all possible, you've got to be able to give them some time. I mean, those are folks who are hurting. But the majority of the people, you walk in, you know, you chat for a few minutes and you pray. And, and usually I try, and there's some sort of physical contact there trying. try and put an arm around them or, or hold their hand or something. And I know this sounds basic, but for me as a young pastor, this, these are some of the things that I just had to figure out. And frankly, I'm not good at. They're not They're not things that are my strong suits, um, the pastoral, what we would call sort of the pastoral gifts. They're things that I've had to learn and acquire along the way. And thankfully, I had some older pastors who I served with who would go with me, and they were very good, or quite good, and I'd watch them and learn how to serve. But, you know, doing this, Sam, inevitably leads to funny and or awkward situations, and I'm positive you have a funny story or two, or an awkward story or two. I can think of a few. Um, I think of one, for instance, where a member of the church was in, uh, was having a baby, and we got word that the baby had been born, and so... Um, I, you know, went over to the hospital to see mama and the baby and her dad was in the room with her. And so I knocked on the door politely and dad opens the door and says, yeah, come on in. And I walk in and lo and behold, the baby had not been born. And mom <laughs> is in active labor when I walked in the room and everybody tries oh, to be real nice to me. But I quickly excused myself from the room and said, I'll be back when, <laughs> when the baby is here. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you just that's going to happen. You know, that's part of the part of the
1: process. What about you? Uh yeah, we don't we don't have hours for this podcast unfortunately. <laughs> I could I could tell story after story. I'll tell you a recent one. Um and, uh, and, uh, you know, it's just something that never quite it never quite clicked in my head, but this guy pointed it out when I was visiting him in the hospital. He's a friend of mine, a uh, great guy uh, had some very serious things happen to him. Won't, I won't go into detail about what they were. Um, but I went to visit him, you know, it was, you know, he was, uh, he wasn't going to die, but you know, there was serious stuff going on. So, but he was in good spirits. I went to visit him and, um, you know, as I always do, always ask to pray. I mean, absolutely every hospital visit, you need to pray with, with the person, with the family, always look for gospel opportunities, all of those things. So anyway, um, I asked him, you know, hey, let's let's pray together. And, I, and I, I started praying, and then as I'm praying, he just starts laughing. I mean, just not quite uncontrollable laughter, but a lot of laughter. And, um, and so I just stopped my prayer. I said, all right, God, hang on. Um, and I looked at him I said, what, what is so funny? And he, he just – he said, well, it took me a second, but um, you, I thought that you prayed – take him home, God. Um, Oh, my word. I said, no, get him home. Get him home as soon as possible. And he's like, man, this whole time I thought you were praying for the Lord. Take me home. I was wondering why you wanted wanted me to to, to leave. So what you're saying
0: is precision matters both in theology and at the hospital room, at the hospital bedside, right? Yep.
1: One, wor- one word in your prayer can can make a big difference. Take him so, home versus get him home.
0: You'll appreciate this one. I, I When I first pastored the last church I was at, I made so many mistakes. And one of the mistakes I made was to say, you know, hospital visitation, that's not the job of the pastor. And, uh, and I even, I said from the pulpit during my first few months there, I said, if, uh, you know, I don't really do much hospital visitation. If you see me at your bedside it's probably bad news for you. You don't want you, you don't want to see me there. I'll, I, I generally show up, you know, when things are at the end. Yeah, it was just stupid. I was a young, dumb pastor. And uh, rightfully so, I got a little skewered over that one from some folks. Well, you know, I grew. A few years went by, and I realized how important it was. And I got more diligent about hospital visitation. And this one elderly lady in our church, sweet lady, she, she didn't have anything significantly wrong. She was just hospitalized overnight. It wasn't, when I say significantly, it wasn't life-threatening or anything like that. Well, I knock on the door and I walk in her room and all she can remember is me saying from the pulpit, if the pastor ever shows up in your room, you better watch out. And I'm telling you, her (laughs) eyes were about four times as big as they should have been when she walked in, when I walked in the room. And I know she was thinking to herself, that doctor's been lying to me. I had to calm her down quickly and say, no, ma'am, it's okay. You're fine. I'm just here because I care. I want to pastor you well. Let me pray for you. (laughs) I was not, I was not pastoring well leading up to that.
1: So let's take a let's take a higher higher level view of this. I mean, I have often heard from quote unquote experts that um, you need to delegate, for lack of a better word, hospital visitation as as, as much as possible. Um, that you know the lead pastor or key you know key leaders in the church shouldn't be doing as much of that. You know, I, I kind of disagree. You know, I I think that you can't do all of the hospital visits. That's ridiculous. But I think it does need to be. Um, a part of your ministry to some degree um, because I think you're missing out on a lot of fruit and I also think you're missing out on uh, where you know meeting people in their pain right I mean so much of ministry is is helping people through pain sometimes physical pain sometimes spiritual pain and I think you're a really disconnected pastor from pain in real life if you're never going to the hospital would you what's your take on that, Micah?
0: Yeah, so I I mean, I definitely don't do as much hospital visitation as I used to. I've been a few times since I've been here at Frederick. I'm not a part of our weekly uh, lineup of pastors. So all of our pastors have different days. Um, there's no way I could get to all the hospitals and see all of our folks. It's just not possible. I think the key is this: Are you with your people? Here's the fear I have, and this is how I was as a young pastor. I was thinking of my my role as a pastor as exclusively preaching and leading. And I think we've got a lot, a lot of young pastors who think of their role along those lines. And what we forget is that pastoring is first and foremost about preaching and leading to people, right? We're we're leading people, we're caring for people, and that means we have to be invested in their lives. So so that means for me I am going to be there in their time of need first particularly and and even you know a church our size um, we're pretty good church, pretty good sized church. There's no way I can even be at everyone's, you know, in their moment of need. We have a number of pastors who can do that, but particularly our key leaders, the folks who I work with, the folks who I have specific relationships with. I'm I'm trying to be invested, and if one of them is you know has a significant need, I'm there in their moment of need. Whether it's at the hospital or it's at their home, or um or you know or it's somewhere else if at all possible. And so for me that means yeah there will be an occasional hospital visit. It'll mean, yes, there will be, you know, for, for instance, one of the things I do uh, every week on my calendar, I haven't done it for the last six weeks because of the holiday and then being gone to South Africa for a month, but I just talked to my assistant yesterday and we're adding it back to the calendar. You know, I have one afternoon a week where I go with our senior adult pastor and we go spend time in the homes with shut-ins. Um, and they're folks who would never be at our church or, you know, otherwise never be physically at our church. But the point is, is that as a pastor, I've got to care for people. I've got to know them to do that. I've got to be available to them as much as possible when there's pain or hurt, you know, suffering, that sort of thing. And now I do think we do need to delegate as much as possible, not just hospital visits. And here's my fear. Pastors delegate what they don't want to do. That's a danger Mm -hmm. to me. And so a lot of pastors don't want to do those things, therefore they delegate just those things. I think we do need to delegate some of those things that we don't want to do because, well, I'll get to that in a minute. But I think we also have to delegate the things we do want to do. Um, I think Ephesians 4 is such a phenomenally important passage for pastors. You know, pastors, God gave pastors and evangelists and prophets and teachers and to equip the church for works of ministry so that the saints might be built up and the body may, might be built up. That's a real quick paraphrase, but that's what the, the passage is. Ephesians 4.12. Right. Ephesians, Ephesians 4.12 and equip, following. Yeah,
1: equip yeah. the saints. Yeah, so, completely. But here's what's
0: interesting to me, Sam. I don't know of any church anywhere who has that as a part of their job description for their pastor. And yet it's one of the very few clear, explicit biblical texts about what the pastor is to functionally do with their time. So for me, that means, <clears throat> do I do hospital visits? Sure, there are going to be some times when I do that. Do I go to my people's bedside? or am I in their homes? Yes. But I'm going to try and either take people with me or I'm going to equip people to do it alongside me uh, in partnership with me. Here's the thing. Should we delegate hospital visits? Sure, but not the way most people do. I think most people do it to get it off their back. I think we ought to delegate it so that we're equipping more and more people to do it, so that we're building an army of ministers in the church. This is why, by the way, I don't use the title minister, and I won't let anyone on our staff use the title minister. We don't have a minister of worship. We don't have a minister of youth. We have pastors, but all of us are called to minister. I mean, That's what Ephesians 4 says. Every single person who's a part of the body has an obligation to do ministry. When I teach pastors, I say to them, none of us have a vocational responsibility to do ministry. We have a familial responsibility to do ministry. Our role as a member of the church family is to minister to one another. And as pastors, we have to set the example and model and train others to do that same thing. Our vocational responsibility, what we get paid to do is to train the church, train the the saints to do ministry together. Unfortunately, most of our churches don't understand that, and most of our churches would probably disagree with me. No, no, we pay the preacher to do ministry. Well, I mean, that's paying the pastor to do what we're, we're all called to do. Yeah. When, I, when I teach that, people say, well, does that mean the pastor doesn't have to do ministry? No, it doesn't mean that at all. It means that's his job as a member of the church. That's exactly. not his job as the pastor. His job as the pastor is to model and to set examples. So, yes, they're going to be going to the hospital. Yes, they're going to be doing funerals. Yes, they're going to be doing weddings. Yes, they're going to be with people when they're hurting both to minister to people as a member of the body and to display what ministry looks like to the rest of the church so that we can all be equipped to do that together. That's a much longer answer probably than what you were looking for, but that's kind of my thinking along the, uh, along the lines of hospital visitation.
1: No, I love it. If you're simply delegating, you're missing the point, that's right. is what you're, what you're saying. You you can hand that off to people, but you have to equip them in the process, which means that you're, you are doing hospital visits because you have to... Bring someone along with you to show them how to do it, um, and then you can train them up, and then they can go out and do it, and then train others. I, I think there's something about making disciples; you make disciples. That that That's you know right. that theme. That theme may be somewhere in the Bible. Um, the other thing that I would add to all of this is, you know, I, I think hospital visits feel like a burden sometimes because they, they take so long. Um, just it can it can really eat into your time. I really for most hospital visits. I really only plan about 15, 30 minutes per per, per visit. Per visit. Yeah. Um, So I may, you know, queue up three or four people. I may spend three to four hours at the hospital all at once. And, you know, every now and then there's a tragedy. Every now and then there's really something serious and, you you know, you want to be there. It's a key, like, you know, person in the church. It's a friend of yours, a personal friend. So you may be spending longer. But generally speaking, 15 to 30 minutes and... I don't know. I don't know about you, Micah, but people are tired of me at that yeah, point. Yeah, that's exactly right. Um, so it's like, get out of my house, get out of my hospital room. I gotta go to the bathroom. Um, of course, some members just get up and go, and that—that's usually when you see them naked. But um, <laughs> that, that's there's there's no equipping that can prepare you for that. You know, but um, but yeah, I, I don't spend a long time. Um, I'm not spending hours there. I, I rarely have like spent the night with a family or stayed by their side. For you know a whole day, right? Um, I right. have done that, but that's those are rare cases, not normative. And so I would say, if you're a pastor and you know you're doing that often, I would say you're probably doing hospital visitation wrong. I mean, you, you need to equip other people to do that, and I think you're probably mismanaging mis- mismanaging your time if you're spending that's 20 right. hours a week at the hospital. That's right. Um, and and so it gets back to Micah's point. You do, you do need, need to, to be equipping them. others. You, you need, need to be going yourself um, because, because you need, need to, to be there in there the weeds with, with your people, people. But at the same time, it's a bit selfish to want to be there yourself for everybody. Um, you're not the hero of, of, of your people. Um, you, you can't be that person, and you don't want to feed that kind of mentality in your church anyway. Uh, It'll only come, come back, back to bite you. So, so I would you say you don't, don't have to, to – this doesn't require a lot of time necessarily um, at, You know, with each hospital visit.
0: Yeah, let me let me talk to that super pastor thing. If you find yourself a pastor who is, as Sam describes, spending ten, twenty hours a week visiting in people's homes, visiting in the hospital, there's a good chance you are prone to the super pastor syndrome. And and if I can address that for just a second, I've thought about a lot. I've thought about this a lot. I've taught on this specific topic a lot. I don't know of anything pastors sort of complain about more than people expecting them to be the super pastor. We complain about it all the time, the super pastor syndrome. Everybody thinks I'm supposed to do all things and be all things to all people. Mm -hmm. But here's the deal. I think while most pastors complain about it, deep down inside, most of us like it. Oh, yeah. And here's my... I think every... At our church, we like to say everybody has their own brand of crazy, right? So we're all broken people, every one of us. We're deeply broken. We're in need of gospel. We're in need of grace. Pastors are no different. The average person in the pew they're self-medicating to deal with their brokenness. They're eating, they're drinking, they're, you know, alcohol, drugs, sex, pleasure, maybe just chocolate. There everybody has a means. Maybe it's their work, maybe it's their family. Something they I love pour how you do
1: chocolate in that whole group. Well, <laughs>
0: chocolate's a good to, all drugs, of those things. Alcohol, I mean, just about all those things I mentioned when used chocolate. rightly can be a good thing, but we <laughs> use them to self-medicate and we abuse them, right? So
1: cocaine, heroin, yeah, chocolate.
0: exactly. Well, you know, Whatever your drug of choice happens to be, but pastors I think self-medicate with ministry. We feel yeah. unqualified, we feel inadequate, we feel unwanted, and when we preach a sermon and the, the sweet little lady walks up to us afterwards, put her arm around us, put her, puts her arm around us and says, "Pastor, nobody preaches to me like you do." Or nobody explains the word like you do. Deep down in the dark corners of our hearts, something says, "Yes, you matter." Right? We go to somebody's hospital bedside, and we spend an hour and a half there. And we go to leave, and they wrap us up in a bear hug, and they say, Pastor, I don't know what I'd do without you. you know, I couldn't make it without you. And something deep inside us says, you matter. You have value. And we turn ministry into our means of self-medication. And what we do is we become Jesus to people, and not in a healthy way. Not in a way that we're reflecting Jesus. We become their hope. We become the one that they're dependent on. And in that sense, we're actually doing an anti-gospel work if we're we're not careful by just trying to please our own inadequacies and satisfy our own longings through ministry. So, yes, we need to be involved in hospital ministry. Yes, we need to be working with people when they're hurting. Yes, we need to be doing funerals and, and the like. But don't you dare let that become your means of making yourself feel like you have value uh, and that's gonna happen if your value is not rooted in Christ in the cross and in his gospel.
1: Yeah. Well man, I got I got one more thing to add and then yeah. I've completely exhausted my knowledge on this subject. Go for it. Um <laughs> the the when the one time when hospital visits become the priority of your week, of your day, of your month, is when there is a gospel opportunity. So if you know that when you go there's gonna be family there that doesn't know Jesus, yeah. It becomes a priority because now it's more than just um you know I, I'm gonna I, it feels good to to be needed it feels good to to feel you know to feel that hey you're you, you know I, I need you pastor that's right now it becomes okay, this is all about getting the gospel out and sharing good news with people who don't know Jesus. Hospital visits are a great opportunity to share the gospel in a non confrontational um, you know, just a sweet way because people are hurting and you could say, I've got the answer and hey let's talk about this. Um, obviously you want to be tactful and anytime you share the gospel but um, but it I've, I've found that man, that's usually when I'm sharing the gospel most is you got five family members there and three of them don't know Jesus so hey let's let's talk about this. And um,
0: it's not only are they not only do you have a captive audience, but you have an interested audience at that yes. point. Yes. It's where, it's where hope meets hurt. It's where hope meets need, right? Like, it's there's this old joke, you know, you can't get somebody saved until you get them lost, right? They, they, they have to know they need something mm-hmm. before they're willing to listen to the solution. When you visit somebody in the hospital and there's despair or a funeral and there's loss, that's the moment when, for many people, they recognize that there's a genuine need and you have a real opportunity. And uh, we would be doing a disservice to our stewardship, our gospel stewardship, if we didn't, you know, take those opportunities to share with people the hope that christ has sam's uh, josh is not here to give us his cool catchy little social media uh push at the end of the uh, at the end of the at the podcast but i would say if you if you are on social media make sure to catch up with us on twitter we would love to see you either individually any of our individual twitter hash, uh, twitter handles or the est church uh twitter handle as well we'd love to hear from you, feedback about your own experiences with hospital visitation. If you, if you send us one, that's a great one. We'd be glad to retweet it, share it out with our other followers. And as always, be dropping ideas for new podcasts in the future. We'd love to hear from, those, from you about those as well. Until next week, uh, we will see you. We hope you keep loving the church well.